Northern Brewer is the proud sponsor of the Brewing Network's Jameel Show. They have the widest selection of domestic and imported malts and grain, hops from all over the world, and a full line of liquid and dry yeast. No matter what style of beer you're brewing, Northern Brewer has the ingredients you need, plus fast shipping and expert staff to help you make the best beer possible. Please visit northernbrewer.com for all things homebrew. All homebrewers have a favorite commercial beer, but not everyone can make it. Welcome to the show that teaches you how, where you can challenge two masters, Jamil Zainashev and Tasty McDole. This is the Jamil Show. Can you brew it? Now here's Jamil. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. The show? The chode? Doing the show again tonight. Enjoy enjoying the chode. The chode brought to you by Northern Brewer. The wonderful folks at Northern Brewer, northernbrewer.com. They've been sponsoring this show since the early wet behind the ears days. The beginning, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they, great folks. And, uh, you know, the more... The more I hang out with them, the more they I love fun. those folks. They, they are great people. They are wonderful folks. They, you know, yeah. smart, uh, hardworking, yeah. right. uh, really passionate about what they do and about the industry, and uh, you know, trying to help. Uh, you know, you think they try and kill all the competitors, but apparently not. No, uh, I think they see that there's plenty for everybody. Yeah, yeah it's an industry thing. Right. And uh, you know, g- great folks to support. You should always support your local homebrew shop. Yeah. You know, make sure you're buying stuff at your local homebrew shop because, uh, you know, if they go out of business, then, uh, you know, no, there's not a lot of new homebrewers coming to the market. But, you know, there's a lot of things that you're not going to find at your local homebrew shop. They're, they're not able to, to, you know, carry the, the breadth and range of uh, great stuff like Northern Brewer does. Right. So when you're looking for that specialty item or, uh, you know, you're, you're ready to buy yourself, uh, you know, some, some big, big time gear, uh, you know, Northern Brewer, check it out. There are lots of great stuff that, uh, you probably didn't even know was available. You'll find on northernbrewer.com. So, so browse the website. Every time I get a catalog from Northern Brewer, I place it next to the bowl. I go through <laughs> and I see, I'm like, oh wow, look at that. They've got like a refractometer that reads in, uh, hmm. you know, specific gravity. Yeah. You know, they've got, uh, you know, they got all, you know, all sorts of oh, cool yeah. stuff. I'm like, like, oh, I never knew that. Yeah, it's when new stuff comes around, they're one of their first ones to have it. it right. Like. And lots of grains and stuff that we use on this show right here to do uh, all our Can You Brew It beers. We get uh, stuff from Northern Brewer. They send it to us. And, uh, uh, you know, especially when we're doing uh, British beers, things like that, they get they carry all the Simpsons, which are irreplaceable. If you talk to any, any brewer, uh, you know, worth their salt, they'll tell you the Simpsons has a great great flavor well, talk to any cloner worth this salt you better right. use a simpson malt yeah you better use it yeah it so, does make a difference right yeah. right if if the uh, original brewery is used something right. like simpsons you better make sure you're using simpsons because you're just not going to get the same flavor so yeah very important uh so check out northernbrewer.com great people and uh uh you know great sponsor of this show so they're paying for the show so you don't have to so the least you can do is check it out uh, send them an email tell them you appreciate it what have you been up to tasty you've been uh you've been brewing been uh, keeping busy? Yeah, I, I brewed uh, a, lot of, a lot in early May, and uh, I was doing an experiment with uh, my American Pale Ale, a, a, a brewer that I know. Uh, 
suggested that if I want more body in my pale ale, I might uh, use a little, like a, a large uh, charge of low uh, low uh, crystal, like a uh-huh. crystal tanner. Right, right. So I took my American pale, which is like, um, well, it's like I, don't know, I guess the base malt's uh, like seventy three percent. Is that right? No, I think it turned out to be that. I took eleven percent of the uh, the base out and replaced it with eleven percent crystal fifteen. Mm-hmm. That added to the four percent that I already had for forty, which of course is still in there. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a, uh, I think it was another six percent maybe of uh, carapils. Mm-hmm. So I had this this recipe. It's got right. this big. Is um, this your your lighter? Uh, <laughs> yeah, like ten fifty four beer, uh-huh. thirty two IBUs, and uh, it it attenu- I made this beer. It attenuated really well. It was uh-huh. freaking fantastic. I, right, I poured it at Boonville. Uh, we it's a dry a dry taste, but uh, a, quite a bit of body. Yeah, a lot, a lot of body. Just like nice. just like I was looking for a whole uh-huh. ton of body. Yeah, huh? Uh, couldn't believe I got the attenuation. It finished like at twelve, which is where I wanted to finish. Uh, well, you know what's popular is these, uh, you know, becoming more popular is these low alcohol, highly hopped yeah. beers, session yeah. beers. Yeah. You know, kind of a West Coast session beer, three point eight percent, three and a half to three and a half to four percent, and you know, hop like a good West Coast IPA. Yeah, hop forward, <laughs> have that balance of right. an IPA. And 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 one of the things um, is uh, you know getting enough uh, you know body and right. malt character in it. Right. It sounds like a good way to do it. Well, Crystal Fifteen. I mean, what what is uh, what is regular two row uh, three five or something? What's the Lullabond on uh, uh, one point eight? Okay, pretty low. So I mean, I'm I'm adding not so much more to it mm-hmm. with the Crystal mm-hmm. Fifteen. I'd be I wish I had access to. Well, of course, I can get it someplace. Uh, you know, Crystal Ten. Like it's right, right. lighter. Right. Use more of it even. Well, I wonder what uh, Roger at Triple Rock, I went and tasted his, and I, I thought that was really great. And he was saying, oh, I wish it had a little bit more body to it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, boy, I could drink uh, gallons of that stuff. Yeah, I really, really loved it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah I think beer. it's a, a great beer style. It's a light, hoppy beer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased to see that kind of style yeah. coming forward. Right. And, uh, yeah. you know, I wonder if, uh, you know, the, the work that you've done in the past on those, uh, you know, Golfing, uh, you know, Golf low beers. alcohol, yeah, sure. uh, you know, uh, but hoppy beers has, right. you know, had some effect. You never know. All right. Well, we also have with us the uh, always lovely Kim Wood. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> hello, Kim. <laughs> well, you know, I'm gearing up for summer vacation, and what better way to do that than to spend some time with my favorite CYBI guys? Yeah, who are those? Who are the other guys? Uh, they haven't shown up yet, but you know, right. maybe right. maybe soon. Right. <laughs> yeah, summer vacations. Yeah, you do you do that summer thing, right? And that's when you when you do what? You have to. You do things like NHC and go on some Westie trips, and mm-hmm. you know, go to mm-hmm. the America's Hat, and you know, forget this. You know, working during the summer, it's ridiculous. You know, you almost seem like you could be Canadian. Yeah, I I think I should be. Yes. You've got a very Canadian vibe about you. Yeah, they're good people. They're good oh, yeah. people. I, I hey. dedicated hey. to Canadians. <laughs> yeah, dedicated to Canadians, eh? So, yeah, next time you have to Skype me in from Canada, maybe. Cool. We can do that. All right, sweet. All right. Well, and uh, JP, what's our challenge for today? Uh, Steve from Texas wants to know if you could brew the uh, Hobgoblin by Witchwood. Hobgoblin by Witchwood. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the, Can you brew it? 
Interesting question. <laughs> they always ask that. <laughs> they they do. do. It's like a why, theme. I don't know why. I wonder if that's because we, we tell them that, that they should or... <laughs> <laughs> that they just figured out on their own, uh, you know. Interesting. I've I've uh, I've always enjoyed the Witchwood Hobgoblin. It's, it's kind of I think a love or hate relationship people have with that beer. Some people don't you know care for it all, and and I always thought it was always always quite nice. Um, it's got a lot of character. It actually ships fairly well across the across the pond. It's it doesn't seem that uh, that abused by the time it gets here. But uh, we. Uh, uh, our, our our good friend Neil Spake, he's our Great Britain correspondent, our man in the field, the, uh, man of the field. He does the uh, Scottish uh, Brewing dot uh, com website, and he's he's uh, you know very passionate about all those breweries, and so he he handles that for us. And uh, he did an interview uh, with Witchwood that we'll hear in a minute, and uh, and this was uh, Kim uh, Woods' uh, challenge. She's one of our uh, master brewers for Kenya Brew It, and she stepped up and uh, and uh, brewed this one for us. Mistress Brewer. Master Mistress. It, <laughs> <laughs> it all sounds very kinky. Okay. I was going to say, don't use the word mistress. Not not on this show. It's a different one. Or dominatrix. Yeah. Then. Okay. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. That's not a dominatrix yeah. brewer. <laughs> or dominatrix brewer. Ferment! <laughs> yeah, ferment. What does she wear when she brews is what I'm thinking. <laughs> An apron and a mask paddle and boots, and that's, and that's it. it. Nice. And a mask. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, listen to the interview from uh, Neil and Witchwood, and uh, and uh, I don't know, we'll be back right after this. In a world where everything has been lost. What happened to the city? It's in ruins. Only one man has the ancient knowledge to restore civilization. Uh, I need a drink. Oh no, the liquor store's been ransacked. You looking for beer, stranger? (laughs) Boy, all the liquor got drunk up in the first 25 minutes of the apocalypse. Wait, there's still some bottles over... Oh no, those are non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> I reckon you better stick to arrowroot tea and a desperate nomadic existence like the rest of us. People, I'm a home brewer. I know how to make alcohol. <gasps> oh, it can't be done. Come with me if you want the beer. Okay, I'm going to need some big plastic buckets. He is the chosen one. The prophecies say that he's going to get us wasted. Someone start heating water. And then From the creators of Northern Brewer, the people who brought you $7.99 Brew Saver Shipping, massive selection, and superior customer service comes the Home Brewer. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. 
There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah, uh, mother... White Labs. It's all in the vial. When you hear Blickman Engineering, think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman Gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer. A brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The auto sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. You're listening to the Brewing Network. This is Neil Spake for the Brewing Network's Can You Brew It show. And I have on the phone with me the head brewer at Witchwood, Jeff Drew. It's a pleasure Hello. to have you on the show, Jeff. Hi, Neil. How are you? Very good, thank you. Good. Uh, you came to uh, Witchwood Brewery from Marston's, right? Through the purchase back in 2008? Well... I mean, a bit about my brewing background. I've been in the industry since um, 1979, many, many years ago, and I joined um, what was then uh, Withbreds, which is a very old and established brewery back from 1740s. I did about 15 years with Whitbreads and moved on to um, sort of the regional Cascale-type breweries and went to work for Moorlands in Abingdon in Oxfordshire. Okay. Um, and they were they were unfortunately um, taken over by Green King. Who I probably heard about Green King in the brewing, brewing industry in the UK, uh, and they shut the brewery. So I went to work for Brick Spears in Henley. Then, so I took a bit of a checkered history in terms of uh, um, brewing companies. And then from um, Brick Spears, I went to work for Ringwood in the New Forest in Hampshire, which was in two thousand and one. Now I was quite happily working as head brewer. <coughs> In, um, in Hampshire in the New Forest till 2007 when, Mar- um, when the company was sold to Marston, hence the Marston's Link. So, in, in, as I say, in June 2007, I became of the Marston, part of the Marston's group of, um, of, uh, group of breweries. And, and later on, the following year, in 2008, Marston then acquired what was Witchwood Brewery. So, um, as I worked for um, Breakspeare and, and still lived in Oxfordshire, my, my erstwhile boss of uh, Marston's thought the, um, the fit was right for me to be um, made head brewer again of, of um, the Witchwood because it had, you know, Witchwood beers and Breakspeare's beers being brewed, which I was used to brewing in Henley. So there was a nice tie-up um, back into the, in, into the company. So uh, it's a bit of a a roundabout sort of way back into Witchwood, but, um, um, you know, I, I have come back home to Oxfordshire and doing Witchwood beers and Breakspeare's beers. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I, I guess I didn't realize you were associated with Breakspeare. And yes, I've read, it was I've, good. I had two good years in, in Breakspeare down in Henley-on-Thames, 
and uh, and and when I decided to leave, to to seek my fortune elsewhere, as you do, and um, but um, I've come back to Brixby's, and I've come back, and, and I'm actually working with the yeast and the and the vessels and the coppers and all the all the raw ingredients that I used to working with in Henley. I'm now working again with as part of the Witchwood um, Brewery, which is part of Marston's PLC. You know. Yeah, very good. Uh, I just got your email. Do you want me to phone you on the landline to continue? Uh, no, I'm, I'm okay at the moment. I just don't want if my phone tonks out. I don't know about batteries and stuff, so we can try. If, if, if you can, you know, if it suddenly goes, you've got my landline number. I'm new. Yes, I do. Yes. Okay, then we'll just go ahead and continue. So, so, we'll carry on with this one in for the for the as long as the battery holds up, which should be okay. It's a relatively new phone. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Um, were you a home so brewer by any chance? Um, well, I, I'd done a little bit. I mean, I'd, I'd been to university in, um, in Welsh Wales. That's where I'm from, Wales. And I went to, um, went to Swansea University and did a bit of, um, bit of home brewing and a bit of, um, bit of winemaking, believe it or not, in, the, uh, in my informative years in education. It wasn't particularly successful as, uh, as small home brewers struggle sometimes to get the quality and consistency right. But I'd always been fond of the... Um, of the the noble art and indeed them partaking of beer and and beer and wine, you know. Yeah. But um, I uh, I I was interested when I when I was looking for jobs. I've been left, you know, leaving university with a with a biochemistry degree, which um, as you as you know, the the, the biochemistry of the brewing process is is integral to the to the quality of the whole stuff, you know, the whole beer process and wine making process. So. I enjoyed um, I enjoyed my degree, and then I found that it was quite relevant to um, to brewing beer. So, hence I was sort of drawn to the um, drawn, drawn into it really, and um, I haven't looked back really. Ah, that's great. Uh, well, like I said, it's a real pleasure to have you on the phone. We've had a number of requests for the the beer we're going to talk about today, Hobgoblin. Okay, uh, yeah. So it's obviously a very popular beer across the world. Um, this very, yeah, very. Uh, do you know the origin of this beer? Yes, it was. Um, it, it's got a bit of a, it's got a bit of history. It's, I mean, the, the, the brewing in Whitney. I don't know if you know anything about Whitney and, and Witchwood Brewery itself. I don't know if you want to know anything about the history of that. Yes, Is absolutely. That would that be of interest to you? Yep, absolutely, yes. So, well, Witchwood Brewery is, is in Whitney in Oxfordshire, in the in, you know in the Cotswolds in in the United Kingdom, and it's um, Whitney is famous for well, they call it famous for the three Bs, which is Bread, blankets, and beer, because there's been a brewing a brewery in Whitney since about the 1840s called um, Clinch's Brewery. That's C-I-C-L-I-N-C-H-S, Clinch's Brewery, and they were they were around for about 120 years. They um, they owned 71 pubs, including about 14 in the in the centre of Whitney itself. But um, in 1961, the the um, 50 years ago, the board decided to sell up to a to a big to a big brewery, a national brewery called Courage, and and the brewery closed, and and also ending a a, a long tradition at that time of ending brewing in Whitney, you know. Right. But but it was resurrected in 1983 by a chap called Paddy Glennie, uh, an Englishman um, who um, decided to, uh, as was at the time, trying to open some you know some micro breweries, and he. And he opened it on the um, the Eagles Malting Estate, called it um, the um, uh, the Glennie Brewery, and then later changed it um, changed it to Witchwood Brewery, because Witchwood is um, 
an ancient medieval forest which borders onto Whitney, so it had, you know, uh, connotations of sort of um, elves and goblins and all sorts of things like that. So we changed the name um, uh, quite quite soon after that. So in the 1990s, the, the name actually changed to Witchwood Brewery, and, and that's where it's um, um, stayed with ever since. Um, Hobgoblin was was really born, I suppose, in about um, 1988. It was um, it was a spe- it was a special brew for um, a, a wedding beer for a local landlord and his daughter, you know, with his daughter's wedding, right. and they they came to see the um, the head brewer then, which was um, Chris uh, Chris Moss, who is um, sadly no longer with us, but um, he created the um, they said they, they created the ale of his life, and the the, the landlord said, oh, I'd like something. You know, dark and fairly strong, um, and nice and rich and, and flavoursome. So um, Chris um, got out his thinking cap and indeed his ingredients, and he came out with what you know what is no the, the legendary hobgoblin. It's um, it was really from a from a like a you know a pilot scale, a pilot brew of just a, a couple of barrels, and uh, and it's come become you know um, infamous now um, in um, in all over the world. So from from small acorns or whatever you want to say, you know, it's grown into a massive brand, but um, it's all started from a, from a, a landlord saying, oh, it's like a brew for my daughter, really, and it's amazing how it's grown from that, really. It is. It's, I think it has to be one of the best marketed beers in Britain, for certain. Um, well, it's got, it's, it, it's, it's brilliant the way it's, um, it's captured the people's imagination, you know, and you've seen the... Um, the lager boy, you know, what, what's the matter, lager boy? I'm afraid you might taste something. I'm sure you've seen some of the imagery and some of the T-shirts around Hobgoblin. It's very, very clever. Um, and, you know, and it's, I suppose some of the the, um, the imagery is a little bit frightening for children and, and things like that, but it's really captured the imagination of the of the real ale drinker. And it's it's really, as you say, it's gone from strength to strength, not not just with its, um, with its imagery, but with its flavour and its... Um, and now it's become what has been called the, the unofficial beer of Halloween in the United Kingdom. You know, thousands and thousands of um, landlords buy it up and down the country, especially in October, and, or most of October, for, um, for the Halloween season that we have over here, which I'm sure you do in the States. And yes. it really has taken off, as, um, as, the, as they say, the unofficial beer of, of Halloween. That's awesome. Uh... Obviously, uh, it sounds like our U.S. president Barack Obama likes it as well. I That's read a, right. Have you, you seen I, the pictures of him? I, I read an article recently about David Cameron giving him a bottle. That's right. Well, David Cameron is the MP for Whitney, which is so he's, his office has when he was just an MP. Now, you know, obviously, he's a PM, he's a Prime Minister. But when he's an MP, his his office is literally a stone's throw from the brewery. So he decided. One day, just in the in the run-up to his um, to the election, which uh, last year came and had a um, a brewery visit, and I showed him round, and he said how much he liked the beer, and he, and he poured a pint, and it was a great photo opportunity and PR opportunity for obviously for Witchwood and um, and indeed Marston's, and then of course we were we were delighted when um, when England played um, USA in the in the World Cup that they decided to have a little. Side bet, and the, and the side bet didn't involve any pound notes or dollars, but um, a case of beer. And uh, there was a picture in, uh, you know, plastered all over the, all over the world, I think, with the um, with, with the president and the and the prime minister exchanging bottles with uh, with with Mar- you know, with Martins and and Witchwood Hobgoblin 
on the, on centre stage, which was amazing. And somebody clever person in marketing actually nicknamed it then in, in lots of our communications with each other. It says the, the unofficial beer of world leaders, which I thought was inspired. Absolutely, yeah. Hopefully that really <laughs> bolstered your sales in the States as it, well. Well, it, it, it certainly helped, I'm sure. You know, it's, um, it's a fun, it was just a fantastic photo opportunity that money couldn't buy or marketing could not buy that, couldn't it? It just had to happen that, um, that David Cameron and Barack were in the, in the same place swapping beers and then good grief there was our beer it was wonderful it really was good news yeah absolutely okay so let's uh, talk about some of the specifics of this beer so that uh, maybe some of our listeners can help to reproduce it oh well um, we don't want to make it too close do we otherwise they'd be um they'd be um they'd be buying that and, and not not buying ours but yes i'm quite prepared to uh, to share some of um our, our details and some of our you know, the way we do it, really, that's the main thing. But obviously it's all to do with water and, and all the ingredients and the way it all hangs together, isn't it? But, uh, yes, by the way, what do you want yeah. to know, Neil? Uh, first of all, what is your batch size there that you do for Hobgoblin? Um, typically with 150 barrels, which is um, in, in new money, I suppose it's 24,500 litres. So okay. it's quite a big batch. So yeah. that's, we do that, we do that um, typically three or four times a week. Okay. As a as a batch, 150 barrels, yeah. Okay. Uh, what is the starting gravity? The starting gravity, um, we the we're brewing it. Uh, you you're familiar with the term original gravity, yeah? OG as we call it in the UK. Yes, so absolutely. So it's um, a gravity of uh, of 1046 or 46 is the is the original gravity. So um, a, a reasonably strong start to the um, to the setup, you know. Right, and what does it finish out at? How well attenuated is it? It, 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 it? Well, we try and keep it. We try and keep it um, quite high, actually. So the the finished gravity is round about between eleven and twelve pg. The the final gravity. So it's got a lot of sweetness, or not? You know, an amount of sweetness, a, a lot of maltiness. So it's not overly dry, but um, full full bodied and, and flavoursome. So you get the the sweetness of the malt and uh, coming through, you know. Yes, it, it is definitely a very. I like the full body without it being so yeah, heavy. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you if you ferment it, some beers you can ferment um, right down, and they they can taste a little bit thin. Um, uh, but we, we we like. The, I think people like the the sweet the sweetness, the fullness, the the overall mouth feel of it, rather than feeling tart and too bitter on your mouth. It's a it's a good warm you know good warm sweet to it definitely uh what is the color of this beer do you know the, the color yes the color is um, are you aware of the um you're you aware of the the, the color um, you know institute of um, brewing or the european um uh standard that we've got we've got a color around between 50 and 55 so we call it a ruby a ruby red color so it's Quite, you know, darker than your average your average pale ale or your average bitter, but yeah, about that colour of about fifty is what we aim for in in cask. Okay, and what about the bitterness? The bitterness around about twenty four to twenty six EBU. Okay, twenty four to twenty six. Okay, uh, and how about the grain bill for this beer? Either the grains. Yeah, either uh, we can work with percentages since we know your batch size or if you if you're willing to do weights that would be good too um whatever I'll, you're comfortable well, with. If, yeah um 
was probably about I think we'll do weight to be to be about ninety percent is um, is a pale malt. Okay. Okay. Two um, percent. Uh, oh, sorry. Seven, seven, seven to eight percent is your crystal malt. And do you know what color grade that crystal is? It's one hundred and fifty. One hundred and fifty. Okay. And the chocolate is about two percent, and that's about twelve hundred color. Okay. And, and we use it? a little bit of, and we use a little bit of um, invert sugar, and okay. to go into the pump that in, or, you know, pour that into the copper. Okay. And what do you use that primarily for? Just more fermentability or sweetness or? Um, it, it basically, we want to try and produce as much beer out of a batch. So um, the mash tun is actually full at that, that sort of level at 150 barrels. So if we can add a bit of um, invert sugar, we can actually take it from 140 up to 150 barrels. So the invert sugar itself is, is of the same fermentability as purchased, of the same fermentability as the, as the malt. So you're not getting anything extra, but you're just extending the brew length, I suppose, for want of a better word. To make sure okay. you get 150 barrels, you know. Okay, that makes perfect sense. And I assume. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, it does. I assume all of your malts are sourced from UK maltsters? The Markham um, purchased the malts, yeah, they're um, from um, uh, typical, well, they're typical English English malts, um, uh, spring spring varieties, and uh, yeah, they're um, grown, in the, uh, grown in the United Kingdom. Um, from a diff- couple of different companies, um, uh, you know, in the UK. Simpsons okay. provided the coloured malts. Okay, that's good to know. One of our show's sponsors, Northern Brewer, carries Simpson malts. So. All right, yeah, they're good. They're, good. They, they, they're, they're very good and very traditional um, malting company. They've been around for, oh, you know, and they're still in the family. They were still Simpsons running run the family family firm I know and I know them quite well they're very good very good company to, to deal with uh, wonderful um, how about the mash on this I assume it's a single infusion it's a single infusion mash tun yeah um, uh, you know typically we warm the pot as they say we, we warm it up to a, to about 60 67 68 degrees C with, with hot water to make sure it's right and then we have a single we mash fairly thick um, fairly thick, and we have a single one-hour mash stand at, at 67 degrees C. Okay. And what about water treatment? What is what is your water source? You mentioned that earlier is something very key. Well, water is very key in terms of, of, of consistency and, and quality of any beer. Um, we haven't got our own um, borehole water here in Whitney, and we tried to, uh, try to extract it and trying to use... Um, our own bore water, borehole water, but that wasn't consistent enough or, or successful enough. So we, we've got a, a, another supply. And, and basically all we do, we add some, um, some chloride salts, some sodium and some and calcium chloride water treatment to, um, to, to the, um, um, the fullness of the, of the product. You know, it practically gives product fullness to your, to your, to your, to your, um, to your beers. So, yeah, we had um, we had a few kilos of of um, different brewing salts to, uh, to to enable that consistency of a fullness of product and palate. Okay. Uh, do you do any mash out? 
Any sorry, any what? A mash out step where you raise the temperature of the mash just before the spirals. No, no, no. Because it, because the um, the quality of the um, the malt we use and the and the high enzymic quality of the malt we we a sixty minute stand. You get all the um, all the conversion of the um, starches and the proteins into um, uh, sugars and, and and amino acids that you get. You can get all that with with the quality of malt that we use in sixty minutes. And it's ready to run off then after 60 minutes. Okay, and then I assume you start sparging. Yeah, well, after 60 minutes, yeah, we start uh, we start the sparge, and um, we sparge at about seven, about seven, between 72 and 76 degrees C, okay. and uh, yeah, we, we we run off. It takes about um, two and a half to three hours to run off the um, the, the wort solution through the through the bed of grain, you know. Um, uh, and gets pumped from uh, as it runs off, gets pumped from the end of back into the copper. Um, and as, as you as you know, the, it's very very concentrated um, sweet sweet sugar wort solution when it starts, and then right at the end, it's um, you know very low gravity because we've extracted all the all the sugars that um, that are available out of the uh, out of the mash. Right. And then, uh, what is your boil time? The boil time is uh, again is a is a classic sixty uh, sixty minute um, sixty minute boil, um, an external uh, external steam calandria system. So the work gets pumped out to an external heater um, and heated up to a hundred and one hundred and one degrees C, and um, we get a um, we get quite a vigorous boil on this to the for our system. Typically ten percent um, evaporation rate in in the hour, so a fairly vigorous boil. Which helps um, uh, consolidate and, in, and indeed improve the uh, the color of the brew. Right. Some caramelization during the brewing, the boiling. Yes, a little bit, of, a little bit. And we have the hops. Um, we have the hops uh, in, just before, well, before it gets to the boil at about eighty degrees C, and and they're classic um, English um, English hops in Goldings and Fuggles. So, uh, so you use both for your bittering step. Goldings Both and Fuggles? Step, yeah. 50, uh, basically a 50-50 mix of um, Fuggles and, and um, uh, English um, English Goldings, yeah. Okay. Uh, in, the, in the boil, so that, that bubbles away. We use pellets rather than whole hops. Okay. Really with pellets. Yep. That's what most so, of us uh, use. So our system with the Whirlpool that we've got is, um, is pellets. So, uh, yeah, a 50-50 mix, and uh, we get a good um, good conversion of the um, the hops into, into bitter substances. In the, in that boil, okay. And then, do you have any flavor aroma additions later in the boil? We had we we had um, quite a lot of um, whirlpool hops, as we call it. You're familiar with the term whirlpool? Yes, yes. Yeah, um, we had um, a, a lot of um, Styrian Goldings and Cascade hops to the to the whirlpool. So to get the um, the citrusy. Um, Citrusy aroma that is classic in, um, in 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 hop goblin. So we had a, a huge huge um, amount of hops. I'm not prepared to tell you how many, but okay. we do ha- we do add a significant number, which gives us that lovely um, citrusy aroma and, and late hop, you know, um, um, refreshing uh, mouthfeel to the to the beer. Right. Uh, what about the? Are you willing to tell me the split between the two Styrians versus Cascade? Um, probably, probably um, an 80-20 split between Styrian, eighty percent Styrian, twenty percent Cascade. Okay, great. 
That's very helpful. Uh, so you, you do use a whirlpool, so you don't use any hop back or hop jack or anything like that. No, we don't. We don't with the with the pellets. You don't need don't need a hop back. They they um they break up in the you know the the very nature of it spinning around in the whirlpool yep. um, allows the, the the hop pellet to break up and you get the infusion of the uh, of the hop aromas coming out for 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 um, a twenty minute stand in the um, in in the whirlpool. Okay, great. And then I guess it's on to fermentation. Yes, well, it gets cooled down then um, and, and gets collected into, uh, as you say, into a, into a fermentation vessel. Um, uh, a typical ale fermentation, you know, six, collection of about 16 degrees C and right into the top heat of 20. Um, and it, um, it uses a, uh, uh, a, a yeast that we've had that's been part of the, the Witchwood group for for, for many years, um, uh, a well, a top fermenting uh, ale yeast, um, and it takes probably roughly about 72 hours for the for the uh, the, the the sugars to be converted into um, into uh, into uh, you know into the alcohol and into the beer that we want. Right. Are those open fermenters or closed? Oh, um, we've we've got a mix of um, of open and uh, and sort of um, enclosed and partially open but um they're more they're more enclosed than fully open squares or you probably would have the term, you know terminology of open squares there um, right. so they they're mainly enclosed but uh, they do they do freely free vent of co2 shall we say to the um, um of the uh, of the carbon dioxide okay so the primary fermentation then is about 72 hours yeah, and then we we cool it down then over 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 a couple of couple of days, um, couple of three days down to uh, eight degrees C. Okay, um, and, and that allows obviously the, um, the the yeast to um, to drop out. So we skim the yeast off the top and use it for um, for next week's brewing. So it's you know it's a, a harvesting of of yeast off the top of the vessel, and then um, the beer is then ready to go into. Uh, um, in, into whatever packaging format we, you know, we can, we can either put it into cask or we can then um, filter it and put it into can or bottle. Really, after that, so that is um, up to us. Really, where it goes into next, you know. Right. So, how long is that conditioning step? The, how long does well, it sit at the lower temperature? <clears throat> well, it sits at about eight for about um, three days, I suppose. Okay. Uh, and then it gets moved, moved into the into the next stage, which is either into um, um, a, a a cask racking tank, so ready to go into a cask. Right. Um, so then that that would be, um, and then it would sit in that racking tank um, for forever, how long it's needed before it's put into a cask. So it's typically between I don't know eight hours and forty-eight hours, depending on the requirements and necessity of the beer, really. Okay. Um, but if it's going, if it's going to go into 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 can or bottle, it's chilled down to um, to minus one degree C for for about a week prior to prior to filtration and then um, and, and carbonation being put into a bottle. Okay. So are the that makes sense? yeah yeah it makes perfect sense. Are yeah, yeah, the beer yeah. is is filtered for cans and bottles? Is it pasteurized? It is pasteurized in, in can and bottle, yes. It is okay. pasteurized. 
but it, but obviously in casket it, it isn't pasteurised. Exactly. It's, um, no 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 heat gets involved in the in the in the cask in the cask making and the cask beer process. Do you dry hop the casks at all? We don't. No, we we're, it, it's been it's it's a it's the one that we we debated long and hard in uh, in Marston's. And um, we, we're moving away from um, from dry hopping lots of it's basically because of the consistency um, consistency of, of of the beer. You know, some people keep the beer in a pub um, and they keep it there for a week. The hops are in contact with the beer and they get an infusion of the the hops and you're getting the oils coming through and the flavours. And then somebody else gets the same beer delivered and they stick it up and serve it within 24 hours. You can get huge differences in flavours of the same batch of beer that goes out. So right. what we try and do now, we try and do all the the hopping regime at the brewery so that so when you get the late hops right, you get you can hop. And in some beers we add hops in, uh, in um, containers that will be held in fermenters, you know. So we get a consistency of, of product leaving the brewery so, so that the publican... Um, we'll have we'll have a, a, same, a similar experience in terms of handling, and the customer will have that same flavour coming through from each beer that he goes to in any different pubs, even though they may store it and hold it in slightly different ways over the um, over a period of time. So, you know, do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. That makes perfect sense. I yeah. know consistency yeah. has really become a key thing in the market. It is. It's very much so. So we so if you take out if you take out some of the um, you know what somebody can add something different to it. You know, I mean, they may argue that, oh, that the, the reason why people don't drink in that pub is I do keep it for longer, and therefore the beer tastes better in my pub. But what we want for the customer, customer to have a similar experience from um, from one pub in one one town, one city, one country to the next. You know. Exactly. Yeah. So on that topic, then what? What temperature would you recommend serving this at for optimum flavor? Right, but I, I'm probably going to upset the American market hugely now. Um, That's why I asked the question. I you like your you you like your beers cold. Um, we we like like our cascale to be to be refreshing um, and cool, but not ice cold. So we like to serve it around about 12 or 13, 14 degrees C, around about that area. So you. Um, rather than single figures. If you get into single figures, I believe it's too cold. You lose a lot of the flavor, both of the, the maltiness, the, the hoppiness, and, and the aromas that you get from a, from a cascale. You, you lose so much. You spend a lot of time, money, and effort putting these flavors into the beer, and then people cool it right down to, um, to city temperatures, and you, and you lose it all. So I would say about 12 degrees C is a, is a, is a fine temperature, and a refreshing temperature for, for drinking cascales. In, oh, in bottled beers, yes, it, in bottled beers, you, you, you put them in the fridge. Um, but I don't, well, personally, when I drink my, um, my bottled beers, they may be in the fridge, but I like to take them out of the fridge for an hour or so before I drink them, allowing them to warm up so you're getting some of the flavors coming through um, rather than drinking an ice cold, what could be anything in, in, some, in some places. You know, it's just too cold. This, this fascination of Serving beer with um, with a, a naughty greasy or one greasy or whatever is it doesn't do anything to me in terms of flavour. Yeah, I I would have to agree with you. I I think that is there is a marked difference between the flavour at the right temperature Definitely. and colder temperatures, no doubt. Yeah. Do you, do you do you have um, do you drink cask beer in the in the states? 
Unfortunately, at least where I am, there's little to no Cascale, and I would say no real Cascale. Uh, there are pockets yeah. in the U.S. That, that there are some breweries doing it, but it's very hard to find. Yeah, yeah. Which it's is a shame. Because it's, uh, it, is, cause it, it is the classic way, you know, it's beer that hasn't been messed about with, basically. You know, it's, uh, it's literally straight from, a, straight from a fermenter, a bit of finings. You know, you add the um, Isinglass finings in, in the beer to, um, to clarify it, and, and it's literally, that's, that's it. It's, um, you know... Good and wholesome and, and, and high in quality and, and flavor, but uh, don't don't filter it, don't heat treat it, don't you know, don't serve it cold. Just keep it so you can actually taste something, and that's the way I like to drink my beer. Anyway. I totally agree. Uh, so, do you have any further recommendations for home brewers trying to reproduce this? Any things that you would emphasize or? I, it's with every with every home brewery, what you've got to get is consistency. So you you know what you've got to have is from a, a consistency of supply of water. So you know the water that you're using this week, next week, next month is has got similar salt levels in it. Or if you're going to you know, or if you're going to add things, make sure you add the right amount and the same amount time and time again. Source the highest quality of materials. You know materials in terms of malt and hops. Make sure they're fresh, um, and make sure everything is scrupulously clean. And you know, and you can't be cleanliness is next to godliness in the home brewer and, and in a big brewer. And it's very, very important that you can't overly stress the you know the cleanliness of life in in producing a quality and consistent, um, whether it be a cask beer or a, or a filtered beer. It's all about quality and all about attention to detail, making sure you get your mash temperatures right and and your stands right and. Again, it's all about consistency. You know, don't overboil or underboil. Do it the same week in, week out. And and you and if you get a consistent product, people will learn to love that product. It may be not what everybody likes, but it, if it's consistent, you will get a following, I believe. I think that's great advice. I, absolutely. Okay. Well, I thank you very much again for your time, Jeff. It's been a real pleasure to have you on the on the phone. Okay, Neil. Best of luck for the future. Good pleasure speaking to you. Uh, you too. Thanks very much. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmasters database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmasters Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmasters Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BN Army in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award winning brew pub experience from 8 30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. 
For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Double Secret Probation IPA, are the perfect accent to riverside dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. Don't miss the Beer of the Month, Special Rotating Taps, and the BN Army Member Special. Wear your BN gear, get 10% off your beer. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. Live. Beer Radio. The Brewcasters. If you're just starting, don't be discouraged by all this stuff. It's exactly. so easy. Just throw it yeah. together. Dude. Put some sugar and some water and some yeast in there. Yeah. It's beer. Network. <laughs> now back to the challenge. Can you brew it? All right, we're back. We're talking Witchwood Hobgoblin. And, and during the break, uh, while you guys were listening to the interview, we tasted uh, two blind samples here. One is a smushy-looking kind of thing, and the other one is, um, it says Bill O'Reilly on it. <laughs> <laughs> Must be the wrong one, then. Right. Yeah, mine have nothing on them now. That wasn't very good ink I used. Who's your cellar master? Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> oh. Can you turn her mic off? Hey. Oh. Well, I was, but I didn't have a reasonable marker. I didn't have any of my stickers either. You're so high maintenance, Tasty. I am. I, I was told I would have a anyway, uh, marker. Anyway, one is the real beer and one is the cloned attempt. We do know that. So it's just a. You have two choices here. I would say the one has a, a, a touch more hop character to it. Well, the you know one has a distinct, very distinct English aroma, which is to me was covering up almost. It might, it might just mm-hmm. be as hoppy as the other. I just can't tell. Right. Well, uh, you know when the uh, all those uh, alcohols and stuff they uh, oxidize and esterify and all that. So you know, sh- shipping and sitting on the Bevmo shelf in the sun for it's part of the conditioning. Well, it's part of the conditioning. That may have an effect. Kim, how long old is your beer today? I uh, It's two weeks today, but the bottle that Jamil has, I bottled a week after I brewed it. And it had, um, it was really yeasty, really cloudy at that time. So The color is uh, <coughs> spot on. I can't yeah. uh, discern a difference between the color. And actually, earlier I thought one was a little hazier than the other, but now I think they're the same. I get, okay, a little, yeah. the, I get a little I, haze in, in sample B. My or, sample's out of a keg, and it's it's cleared up a little bit, but it's still a little hazy. Hmm. So, let's start with um, Tasty. Tasty who? Oh, me. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's see here. Um, they're both good beers. Um <laughs> That's sounds, good. Sounds like good job, Kim. Of, Whichever one you kind are. Of feedback I give on uh, square sheets. This is a nice beer. It's a nice beer. You're 29. You brewed. Um, or this would have been a nice beer. You know, 
I would say uh, malt wise, uh, I can't discern really any big differences. Uh-huh. You know, the malt uh-huh. backbone, the right. malt makeup. Yeah. Uh, so you know, the color backs that up as well, right? That the dark malts are about yeah. the right proportions. I think it's spot on. Spot on malt. Northern wise. Brewer. Yeah. Now, there's obviously a big yeast flavor in in what's probably is the the real beer, and uh, not getting that in in the clone attempt. Hmm. So. So you calling clone? Not clone? Well, if I could get that yeast, if we could get that yeast into this beer, I would say it's cloned. Yeah, I think the yeast character is there. I think you know the Just one is time. a little hoppier than the other. Yeah, it's hoppier. Mm-hmm. In the finish too. Yep. I am. Um, well, I don't know what I would change other than. Uh, would you change the rest? Was this the white? Was this the, what use was this? Was the Y yeast? Uh, yeast is that it? What do we use for this? What do you use? Uh, the twenty three or something? White Labs twenty three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is that yeast? The, Burton that the ale, I think. Burton. That's what I think. Is that the same yeast they use there? Or this is closest to what they use at. Uh, I think that's the closest that we could find. I think, you know, we kind of, you know, that's that's going to be the difficulty on this beer is getting exactly the yeast that they're pitching. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, you know. What about you, uh, Chad? I, I think the English character um, in the English beer mm-hmm. really stands out, of course. Right. Um, a lot of, you know, dark fruit, raisin. Um, but, you know, malt profile and everything is there. I think it's a solid... Uh, mm-hmm. Clone, mm-hmm. Uh, you know. You wouldn't change the recipe. I all? would not change a recipe. Right. Again, go back to the yeast strain. Maybe, um, right. maybe it's not exactly what they're they're dealing with mm-hmm. in, the, in the brewery, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> it's pretty close. It's very close. Very close. Malt profiles there um, might be a little hoppier on the clone version, or what I think is the clone version. But other than that, it's a very good clone. Mm-hmm. So I'd say cloned. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. What about you, uh, JP? Well, I don't know if I matter. You don't. Um, you don't. I, but, would say, you know, I would say. We'll entertain the thought that maybe you do just to keep you pushing yeah, the buttons there. Throw a peanut to the elephant every now and then. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, I agree that it, it the what I think is the commercial beer is a little more bitter on the end. Um, I don't know. Is that it? it the, the the flavors there, the malt flavors there. Uh, I think that mm-hmm. what I think is the commercial clone is a little bit oxidized, a little bit old. Kind of like I think what Chad was saying. I didn't really listen. And um, <laughs> uh, what? I don't know if it's cloned. I don't know that. What, tell, tell me again. Uh, I, I think that the commercial sample, what I think is, is a little bit more bitter on the end palate than the homebrew. The homebrew is kind of dry and kind of falls apart. The commercial beer kind of has a little more malt carrying through in the end. Like what? the hops dropped out or something. Yeah. The hops yeah. dropped out. Sure. Well, I think it's, it finishes a little drier, too. Well, you know, I hate to lean on this as an excuse, but you know, it's come across the pond. It's been sure. sat on the shelf in the BevMo, and then I left it Beer rattling gone. around in the back of the Heretic van for a couple of days uh, in, the, in, the, in the heat. Well, we went, we, At least they didn't the truth break. Hurts. we went to we we saw a Bevmo. Chris and I are driving around. We saw a Bevmo. I'm like, oh, I, I need to pick up some beers for uh, Can You Brew It. So I got the beers, we threw it in the back. And we we got a celebrator to uh, you know an eye or to uh, you know get another goat for the the other fermenter. 
and then they just bounced and rattled around van for for three or four days getting really hot bouncing around i don't know i right, come on they've probably been through worse than that oh, just getting over here so. yeah exactly <laughs> and then kim's andy lovingly carried him in like in his pants brought him to my house it's like open the my wife opens the door he's got this bottle sticking out of his pants he's like here <laughs> Grab this. I have something for you. Now, Kim, were you able to source all the, the malts, all the crystal malts from, um, say, an English maltster? SimpsonsNorthernBrewer.com? Uh, yes. In fact, Northern Brewer supplied me with all of the Simpsons. They met all of my brewing needs. Great. <laughs> God. Which is great. Because I, couldn't have gotten, I couldn't have gotten to those from any of my locals. So, um, it thumbs does, up, Northern Brewer. Right. We can't yeah. get Simpsons around here. It has a nice, rich taste to it. The, the it clone makes well. a huge like the, difference. The English example. Yeah. So. If, you, if you want to make any English-style beers, uh, you know, go to northernbrew.com, order your Simpsons malt there, or go to your local homebrew shop and Just say, hey, get English malt. come on, you know, get me some Thomas Fawcett's, get me some Simpsons, get me, you know, get me a quality, uh, you know, crystal malt that I can use to make some English beers. If you're a big fan of English beers, that's the thing to do. And, you know, support your local homebrew shop, absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the folks at Northern Brewer tell you that, too, but... You know, when the local shops say, well, you know, I can't be bothered with, you know, use this. Use the, uh, you know, the discount malt that I can get or whatever. There's a lot of great malt out there, but it's not going to develop these flavors. And you you, you got to you gotta have that. So go to Northern Brewer, order up your, your Simpsons uh, crystals from there and color malts from there. And you'll be very impressed at the flavor you get from that. Um, I say not cloned. You betcha. Yeah. You're just saying be that because you like to be mean to me. <laughs> clearly, um, clearly. It, uh, I just, uh, I think the what I well, I don't know. I don't know what the commercialism with the homebrew is yet, but I think there is definitely one that's a little bit more malty and has a little firmer bitterness on the end than the other. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Get, put put your checkbook away. I'm not li- okay. Two hundred dollars. Okay. We're not friends anymore. Just letting you know. I already deleted you from my Facebook page. Oh, ouch! That already happened. All right, Kim. Mm-hmm. You gonna call this clone? Not clone. Um, you know, I actually think I actually am gonna say cloned. I would, you know, maybe just. I think for me, it's uh, the water treatment that I did. I could have bumped up a little bit um, to make the hop character stand out. Because um, I agree that the commercial one is a little bit hoppier. Um, so maybe just a little mm. bit more um, calcium chloride or. CaCO3. I disagree. Uh, yeah, but I think it's cloned. Mm-hmm. I think for I think. me also the the you know it's so young and right. um, it's still to me a little bit too like new yeasty. You know, I think uh, that's the issue right there. Yeah, and it covers up a little bit of that hot. Pretending that, well, no, it's making that it hot in the in the in the yeast character. You know, if you you have to. I think ignore some of the the flavors and character. There's a there's a, a brighter condition hop, hop character yeah. in yours mm. than there is in the commercial example. And I think that in the commercial example, there's a little bit more of that esterification, that oxidation, and all that, and and a little bit of super attenuation as it sits warm. And I think if you took couple of bombers of yours and let it sit, you know, 75, 80 degrees for several weeks 
uh, or a couple of months, some fluorescent you'd, lights, you'd find you know the same kind of character. I think that um, I wouldn't change anything. Yeah. For me, these are cloned. Um, like like that sherry kind of note from the, the slight sherry that note. Over time, I think. Right, yeah. right, yeah. And just let them know, keep I, rolling around in the back of your heretic van. Yeah, exactly. I hate to. Uh, yeah, I should have rolled yours around. And I, I should roll you around in the heretic van. Now. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> edit that out. Yeah. Edit that out. Don't don't let Andy hear that. He, yeah. he already knows. Um, uh, but uh, you know, I hate to to lean on that. But my experience tells me that you know this beer in England is more like your beer. And once you've shipped it and it's spent six months, you know, screwing around at, at the local shop and rolling around the back of the uh, the molester van, you know, this is what it tastes like. And, and, and I used to think that, you know, all the English beers tasted that way. And, you know, tasting yours and tasting that, I'm like, well, this is kind of the difference between... There's a lot of, you know, very close similarities to them. And I would say if you were strictly going by, well, clone, not clone, based off of, you know, age and, and suffrage and all that stuff, you know, all right, then they're not. But it, I know that this is <laughs> this, this actually is done right and it works. So that's kind of the way I'm going. So I call this cloned. Yeah, I agree. So uh, it's not a democracy, but I still have a three-two vote. So we'll call that cloned. Yay! Woo! Success. Eat it, JP. <laughs> I'm not hungry, thank you. All right. Well, let's do this. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we will go through the recipe for this uh, fine clone of Witchwood Hobgoblin. Back after this. <laughs> BN Army, HopTech has a great discount waiting for you. Do you often find it difficult to find specific specialty ingredients for your homebrew recipes? Well, listen to this. HopTech stocks 59 different grains to choose from, 39 varieties of pellet hops, and 8 kinds of whole leaf hops. And HopTech not only carries Y-Yeast and White Labs yeast for you, but also Fermentus, 04, 5, 6, 23, 33, and T58 Belgian yeast, plus Cooper's Nottingham and Windsor yeasts. Got your recipe ready to go? Pick up some great brew gear like new long and short sleeved shirts, games, and more. HopTech's new website is being updated every day with new items. If you don't see it, call the shop. They're open six days a week. BN Army and AHA members get a 10% discount, and active military personnel get 15% off. Visit HopTech.com today for great selection, great service, and a great discount. HopTech.com. Hey, listen, our lawyers said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew Free or Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska, in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. 
Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. Hilo, what's it feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. It's the Brewing Network. How about that Jeff Drew at uh, Witchwood? Nice guy. Then Neil Spake. Neil did a great job again. Uh, of course. Yeah. He's no longer dead to me. You know, he's just, he's a nice guy. Works hard. Take care of us. So there you go. All right. So batch size, uh, six gallons. Uh, that's at the end of the boil. And then you can go ahead and rack. Five and a half to your fermenter yep. and five to your give some your to the dog at the end. There you go. Uh, anticipated uh, starting gravity is ten forty six eleven point four nine Plato. Uh, anticipated SRM using more is uh, fifteen point five IBUs thirty six point three using uh, Rager seventy uh, percent efficiency sixty minute boil. You're going to use 90% 4.29 kilograms of a uh, pale ale malt, uh, British pale ale malt. You're going to use 7.5% or uh, 360 grams of a uh, British uh, crystal 75 to 80. You can use 2% or 100 grams of a British uh, chocolate malt. And then half <clears throat> percent or 20 grams of uh, cane sugar. Hops, 14 grams. Uh, Kent Goldings at 4.75 alpha at 60 minutes. 14 uh, grams Fuggles, 5% alpha acid at 60 minutes. You're going to use uh, 16 grams of Cascade, 5.75 alpha at 15 minutes, and 64 grams of Buttload. I think that's what he said in the interview. Steering Goldings. 5.25 alpha acid at 15 minutes. We used uh, the WLP 023 Burton Ale yeast, and that, I think, gets you uh, quite close uh, to the um, uh, Witchwood uh, character. Your mash temperature, you're looking at 153, 153 degrees Fahrenheit. And uh, fermentation? Um, I don't know. It's not on my sheet. Started at like 61 and rose up to 68 by the third day. 61. 60, 60, what? 
Look in your notes on your recipe. Pardon me. Is that what yeah. it says? I didn't print the notes. Well, oh. Kim just I'll read them I to you. I shall read them to you. They 60, say start 60. ferment at 61 and let rise to 68. There you go. There 16 you go. C. Uh, rise Listen to 20 to that C. She knows. That's over right. 72 hours and then down to 8 C. See, you know, a lot of these uh, British brewers, they do these weird, you know, if you listen to the Fuller's interviews. Yeah, and, what's up with that? And and Chad did this, and I'm like, oh, no, Chad. <laughs> oh, ignore that crap. You know, I, I don't know what the heck they're doing. But, you know, down, does, right? does, you know, they're going up, they're going down. <laughs> and, you know, like, so we start at uh, 16, say, then we go to 20, say. <laughs> and then five hours later, we go to 3C, and then we go back up to 8C, and then we go to, you know. And so just something like, to do or something, yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, are you justifying? <laughs> Your Board existence, yeah. but then you did it, and I, I, before when it was not cloned, they told you, "Oh, you know, don't do it." And then, and then you were like, "Well, okay, I'm going to follow everything the guy said," and uh, it, it worked out. So yeah. yeah, it made a difference. So um, you know, uh, just follow the the notes that uh, uh, that they that uh, Jeff uh, gave, which was 16 C to 20 C, 72 hours down to 8 C, and uh, yeah. I guess I guess that works. Would part of the notes be uh, if you know Zach can't find this beer in his area and it's very hard, he's probably going to get beer um, that's been you know uh, pretty harsh, harshly mm-hmm. traveled. Uh, do you ever recommend people going like, look, if you really want the commercial beer, like, age this on your roof for six months? <laughs> um, well, you could. But why would you want to? Yeah, you put it in your molester van, you drive around. I need to borrow that molester van because... <laughs> you need to molest something? Well, maybe. There you go. Hand out um, some candy. <laughs> play Find the Candy in My Pants. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, the funny thing is, if you if you look at, um, like, BJCP judging and all that, you know, these people are, you know, a lot of them have never been to Britain. They've not tasted these beers fresh. fresh and they're looking for, you know, this <laughs> British character. And this British character that they're looking for is oxidized. And, yeah, I was in Australia. I was in Melbourne. and went to this homebrewers meeting. Great group of folks. Really passionate about beer. Really knowledgeable. And one guy is like, you know, I've been trying to clone these American beers, and I can't. And he's like, you know, you know these breweries. You know, tell me what they're using. And, you know, let me use that malt. And, you know, we, we talked through some recipes, some breweries. And I, I'm like, you know, what flavor is it you're looking for? Because using the right ingredients, using the right process, you know, and then, you know, personally, I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe he's just not a good brewer. Yeah, that's always an option. You know, if, We're gonna but, you know the guy was really knowledgeable, and I'm thinking, you know, the, all these guys seem really sharp. You know, I, I just don't think that's the issue. And he's like, look, let me go buy a bottle of, you know, I, I can't remember. I think Name it was Lagunitas IPA or a Russian River or something or maybe a Sierra Nevada. And he says, you know, taste that, and you tell me what that is. And, you know, and I, because I said, well, I think it maybe, maybe you're talking about oxidation. And sure enough, he's like, well, you, you taste that, and you tell me that's oxidation, then I'll believe you. And sure enough, yeah, boy, it was just heavily oxidized. Mm. And, you know, the, the thing is, you know, he's living in Australia, hadn't been to the U.S., hadn't been able to taste it fresh, 
so he gets this character in all these beers. Every U.S. beer has this malt character. What are the people in the U.S. using? Well, they're not using anything. It's by the time it gets over, it's oxidized. And that's the character you're picking up. It's got that kind of, uh, you know, sweetness. It's got that, you know, extra fruitiness. We call it an English character. Right. <laughs> you know, we're like English character or German character or yeah. Belgian character or whatever. And it's like, you know, how do you get that? It's like, well, just oxidize and beat the hell out of your beer. And the other part you're going to make is about a lot of these beers we're talking about are classic examples of the style. Right. So that's what everybody's judged against it. And, exactly. You know, right. Nobody right. can win except like you did. He'd, he'd enter his three and four year old beers. <laughs> right. They right. do better than his fresh beers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I would brew something that was like a perfect example of a fresh version <laughs> of like you know a British beer or a, you know. And it would, it would, they just diss it. It would, it would score like twenty points. No British character. You know, this is so fantastic. You can't tell me this is a twenty point beer. And then I'd, I'd, I'd store a few cases away. And then, like five years later, I'd enter it. It was like best of show. (laughs) (laughs) Five got better in year six. Right, right. It was like you're kidding me, right? You, you guys really don't understand how, you know, the beer is fresh. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, a, a big part of the problem. Mm. I don't know. Anyways. It's part of, it's talking about a, a big part of the problem. You know, you know what's <laughs> for? When you got a big problem, what do you do? You got solutions for us? I got a solution for what you. Go to, go to adamandeve.com. Oh, yeah. Dog's, <laughs> dog's licking me under the, underneath the counter here. <laughs> you put too much peanut butter on it. Right. We're trying to dial in this read for you. Dial, dial in the amount of peanut butter on my uh, yeah. my junk here. Get you in the mood. It's your fluffer for the ad. <laughs> well, Kim, you're not here, so... Uh, Sorry, next time. Or is she? Ooh. Fellas, are you looking at spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing Ooh. about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time. You'll get uh, 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs. And apparently you get to choose these DVDs. Yeah, it's check out. Like, I wouldn't know yes, this, but yeah, check out. <laughs> it's not like, you know... They just shovel the three no, crappy DVDs, <laughs> right? You you actually pick three free adult DVDs, so right. you get to you know if your if your bent is um, bent where oh. foot fetish, you, can you pick get one the of those. foot uh, yeah sure you yeah. get the foot DVD right, right. if it's um I like the mash paddle the mash paddle what if it's the Kim Wood fetish when a dry hump to yeah. find you, the you can get the Kim Wood fetish DVDs yes yeah, yeah. absolutely sticky gooey fetish. For a little, for a little inspiration plus uh, free gift, so ex- so essential we can't mention on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. So check out adamandeve.com today for the special offer. Get fifty percent off one item when you type J A M I L. That's Jamel for uh, the Can You Brew It show uh, for the offer code upon checkout. When you do three free DVDs, a free extra gift, free shipping, just use the offer code J-A-M-I-L at adamandeve.com. And uh, keep in mind, these these folks are sponsors. They've paid uh, to help bring the show to you. So if you get a chance and if this is something that interests you, go ahead and check it out. And uh, you know, place, if, you're, if, you're, if you're buying this sort of thing, uh, buy it through adamandeve.com and uh, 
Use the offer code J-A-M-I-L, and that'll uh, that'll help the show. They got, good, they got good prices, and then you get one item half off. I mean, you, if you're into that, I mean, <laughs> right, right. I took advantage of Kim, it. Everyone's Kim, into Kim, that, right? Kim, do you like Everybody having, have do you like having hey, something half off? Hey, you know what? Half 50% off? off is a really good deal. It is. My friends tell me. My friends tell me. So, you know, Your friends tell you. Yeah. You're hooking them up. That's great. And, and you wouldn't yeah. know anything about that that extra gift that's so sensual you can't mention. No. It. No. <laughs> you wouldn't know exactly what that is. You wouldn't be sending pictures of, of, of that extra extra gift to, to other people, would you? Whoa! <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, also, Absolutely. keep in mind Father's Day is right around the corner. Oh, so That's right. What would Help father enjoy? Help the old man out. A little bit of, uh, you know... Dick cream. Yeah. Oh, it is. It is my parents' forty fifth anniversary this year. Maybe that would be a good present. Oh, gag gift. Go. Well, if that's the case, I'm not talking gag gift. Oh wait. Go to adamandeve.com and and load up. Yeah. Don't acknowledge they actually have sex. Use use that code J A M I L at adamandeve.com. All right. So uh, let's do this. Let's take our final break, and when we come back, no, no. I have a question. We've taken our final break. Yeah. What the close? I have a question for you, though. Yes. We have questions. Well, just from me. Yes. Um, just involved about, beer. This is this uh, might be silly, but when I recalculated the recipe um, uh-huh. for seventy five percent efficiency, uh-huh. the the calculated SRM decreased. Right. Why? Well, what software did you use? Well, I just imported your your yours into Promash, and then Use's when Pro-Mash. I went from. Uh-huh. 70% to 75, it went from 15.5 to 14.8. And right. I just was curious. Did you you, you did, went from what to what? Um, your original recipe that you sent me was 15.5 SRM. And then when I boosted right. up. But you the, went from 70 to 75. Yeah, and it went right. down to 14.8. Well, see, and that's, that's the thing. Uh, when you are adjusting recipes for efficiency, you really want to just mess around with the um, base malt. As much as possible. Um, because what happens is, you know, if you are more efficient in extract, extracting sugars from, you know, when it calculates all these other malts, it's more efficient at extracting them, it's going to be lighter in color. So um, should I have adjusted the recipe to potentially decrease the base malt a little bit or increase the chocolate malt? Well... I mean, it, oh. visually, the SRM didn't look that much different, but I was just curious as to why it, it calculated like that. Um, well, I think you're you're pretty much spot on, and generally, you can go ahead and it's fairly linear. Everything went, everything fairly went up forgiving. by the same proportion because you had more base. You added more yeah. base. Yeah, it locked it to batch size or whatever. Yeah. yeah, right. So yeah, what what I typically do is I'll go ahead and say lock ingredients to batch size and run it up. Then I'll look at the crystal malts and, you know, make sure that they're they're still in line. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, all the percentages stayed the same. That's why I was just confused that right. the SRM went down. But I guess you're right. It's the efficiency issue based on the potential in each one of the grains. Yeah, the sugar, yeah, the extra potential, right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So is that something, um, if somebody was going to rebrew this, that they should take into consideration with adjusting any of the malts? No. Okay. Just brew it the way I got it. Well, yeah, the, your, right color, your color was spot on. 1046, uh, or whatever, the 15.5 or yeah, 14.8. What's the difference? The colors were identical as far as we could tell. Yeah, we couldn't tell any difference. You yeah. Okay. I was just curious about that. Yeah. You've yeah. answered my question well. You passed that round. <laughs> Why, thank you. Well, I have, a, I have a question as well. 
what's this? Like question I didn't open up to the peanut it's a, gallery. It's a question that I know the answer to, but I get okay. it all the time, and I just want your take on it, right? Oh yeah. Some people ask, or they'll ask me, or they'll comment that. Well, when I when I clear my beer, and they used to say filtering, and now they're saying uh-huh. even fining, uh-huh. it changes the flavor of my beer. Uh-huh. And you know, I think that's sort of in play here tonight with Kim's beer that the the yeast and suspension right. was was making the beer hoppier. Right, and it tends but, to make it more bitter as well. Yeah, because because why? Because the yeast are retaining the bit, the bitterness, right? Yes. So of course, when you clear the beer, i.e., the yeast drop out, uh-huh. it makes the beer taste different. Right. Yeah, it's different, and the Kim's would taste different. If it was well, clear. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, but, you know, clarity-wise, they were very close. No, no, yeah. yeah. And 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 the interesting thing is, uh, you know, when these bottles arrived to us um, through other hands, they were all tilted on their sides. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, the homebrew one's going to be really murky. You know, they were all the same. Yeah. I mean, they were very, very close. Um, Tasty Tasty, I was going to just put it in a Scotty and have Andy drop it off at Jamil's and then have you filter it uh, ah. for that very reason. <laughs> I was going to put you to work, Fran. I, yeah, I think that, if sure. you filtered it, then uh, it would have been too clear. Yeah, it would have yeah, been the maybe. same. It wouldn't have said, yeah, it wouldn't look the same at all. It might right. have been closer, maybe. I don't know. Right. Yeah. But, you know, uh, there there's a lot of flavor to, uh, you know, yeast and, and what they retain through fermentation. And that's why, you know, your pitching rate is actually critical because... Uh, you know, increasing or decreasing pitching rate or growth rates and things like that, you know, temperature and oxygen, nutrients and all that have an effect on the final character of the beer because, you know, that, that amount of cell surface that you have, that actually affects how much it's going to pull of bittering or hop character or all that out of the beer mm-hmm. when it finally settles out. And it will sure. settle out, and, yeah. and the beer is going to be completely different. Right. So you just need to take that in mind. Or if you're drinking a sample, you're pulling a sample from the beer while it's still, you know, uh, working on fer- fermentation like uh, uh, you know you you get these samples and you're like wow that's quite bitter yeah. it's like well it's bitter because you're tasting the yeast and all the all the hop uh, resins uh, locked you know, up attached in, in. Yeah. yeah that's why when you when you dry hop you want to make sure your beer is fairly clear you may want to even crash right, right. or go to a second a lot of those resins will attach to the yeast yeah. and you'll pull a lot of that out right. you know um you know, uh, Brennelson, uh Firestone. You know, they tend to. Uh, you know, I think he looks at fermenting or you know adding his dry hops before fermentation is a hundred percent done before the yeast have completely dropped. Mm-hmm. And I think he, you know, you'll lose a little bit because of that. But also, I think he's looking at worried about oxidation, a lot of other characters, things like that. Right. I want to just say I, I was lucky enough to have my Mr. Malty yeast um, pitching rate calculator on my oh iTouch that I purchased on nice. iTunes. Nice and plug. It, it helped me out greatly when I was doing my starter. Worth it's every, only five bucks. Worth every penny. Yeah. Yeah, go go right. for it, everybody. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got myself a new phone. I I couldn't bear to, to spend the five bucks to get the Android <laughs> version. It's like, uh, I don't know. Good choice. It'll break the bank. <laughs> Right. I, yeah. Why would I need that? Come on. You're out of money on this heretic thing you're doing. I get it. You're <laughs> That's busted. True. That's true. Yeah, running out, running out of cash. So can't can't afford any pitching rate calculator. I'll go use the free version. You're on the borrowing yeast wherever you go anyway. That's right. You've memorized all of those anyway, right? Oh yeah, I, I know every number. It's I'm like the Perfect. the freaking rain man of yeast. Nice. <laughs> oh That's right. oh, yeah, yeah. You were doing that in your sleep, weren't Underwear you? Underwear at Kmart. Uh huh. And uh, yeast from uh, Black Diamond. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, uh, big thanks to Derek Smith at uh, Black Diamond for providing us a pitch of yeast for uh, 
uh, our second heretic beer, Evil Twin. That's what Bruin Brothers do. Yeah, no, nah, he's a fantastic guy, and yeah. you know, totally. He gets know, it. Just jumped right in there and like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's here's yeast. Mm-hmm. So uh, I really appreciate that. It's uh, made a, a big difference to us. Otherwise, we, we couldn't have brewed. We couldn't have beer for uh, the BNA six party. Oh, couldn't man. have beer for the pro pro night. That'd be a big empty like spot. That. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's really really wonderful when uh, people step up and do that sort sort of thing for you. All right, so I think that's it. I think we're done with the show, right? Kim, Kim, you you did another wonderful job. Yeah. Yay me! Way to go! You are you are awesome. Thank you. If you're only good looking too, that would that would really cap it off. But yeah, you know, we'll have to settle with you're awesome. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> I'll work on that. All right. Are there any yeast yeah. books in the uh, store this day these days, Jim? I don't know. Uh, check it out. Uh, go to the Brewing Network store and uh, you know check it out. Uh, TheBrewingNetwork.com uh, slash store. They have uh, signed books from all the authors that have been on the show, pretty much. Uh, they've got shirts. They it's like the Oprah show. Here. Yeah, exactly. It's like the Oprah show here. <laughs> how, and, uh, you know, go check it out. Because all that stuff that you buy, the, the vast majority of the profits go to the Brewing Network and keep these shows on the air. So when you buy that stuff, it really does help uh, a, a big deal. And, uh, you know, check out some of the other sponsors that we have. Uh, you know, uh, northernbrewer.com. You can check out... Uh, there's a BYO uh, link there. Click on BYO and you subscribe to BYO and uh, the Brewing Network gets uh, half of that. Uh, uh, you can click on the HA, things like that. Anyways, uh, until then, Bruce Strong. And often. You're listening to the Brewing Network.